Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Crown Corner WFNC's podcast on Charlotte Football Club. Jess Charman here by myself. For the first 10 minutes or so, Willie P will be joining us later in the show as we get into all things Charlotte Football Club after what seems to be a very, very successful week for the team. What a result we had last weekend, a 4-1 demolition of Nashville Soccer Club. And I'm not quite sure how many of us would have had that one written down on our wager going into the game. But what I loved about this result was the consistency and was the fact that in reality, it wasn't as much of a walloping. It was closer in moments and we showed resilience, we showed grit, we showed toughness. And in moments, it was going to be a close one. But after a couple of fantastic saves from our guy, Christian Kalina, we came through strong with a bunch of goals and super substitutions from Christian Latanzio. I think that Christian Kalina saves a a moment that a lot of us won't focus on because of the scoreline of 4-1. But if you don't have those two fantastic saves from Christian Kalina early on, it's a different result on paper. I look at stars of the match and I look at that midfield trio of Brant, Bronico, Sergio Ruiz and Quinn McNeil. Quinn McNeil will be our player focus later on. So make sure you tune in for that. And I just think that midfield trio right now is merging together and showing so much cohesiveness right now that it would be very difficult to change the pieces in that puzzle. I know that's not going to be a popular opinion. It does leave superstar Ben Bender on the bench. But when you look at him coming off the bench with those two assists, you have to think that maybe that's where he can be effective. Quinn McNeil's a little bit stronger, a little bit more physical, makes that touch stick which you need early on in a game to prevent any errors. When Ben Bender comes on, he can be the star of the show against those tired legs to really run, to really hit hard and have the impact that we saw off of the bench. Another key moment of this game I have to get into is the Karol Spiderski goal drought being completely broken. What a moment that was going in the crowd, having that celebration. I think it was a moment where we saw that Karol Spiderski loves this club, that Karol Spiderski loves this team, and most importantly, that the team Love Carol Svidersky. I know there have been some questions about body language, some questions about how passionate is he? He's our designated player. Well, when you watch that reaction, when you watch him go into the crowd, into the royal family, and watch his teammates join him so coherently, 
there's no doubt in my mind that he's a player in the dressing room that is very, very popular among others defensively. Anton Walks, how can you not see what Anton Walks has brought to this side since coming into the lineup under Latanzio, the stability he offers, the leadership he offers, that partnership with Guzman Corujo, who we're hoping will be back and ready for into Miami. I know that he's back in training somewhat, so fingers crossed for Guzman Corujo, but you can't say that Christian McCoon didn't slot in and do a decent job. I know we've all been a little nervous about Christian McCoon. He's been a little error prone at times, but I think he brought a lot of stability. And should he face into Miami this weekend, there's another string to that bow for Christian McCoon because, of course, that is his old club and he'll want to prove himself in front of the fan base in Fort Lauderdale and show that perhaps he's a player that they're missing from their squad. Anyway, enough from me. I know we want to get into the banter with Willie P. Starr when he gets back. But Willie P. and I were joined by Quinn McNeil yesterday in a fantastic interview. And that young kid is a very articulate man. Here we go into the training ground. It's time to go inside the training ground here on Crown Corner as we welcome in somebody who has risen into the starting lineup for Charlotte FC. And it's Quinn McNeil who comes in here after a really great couple of contests against Houston as well as this past weekend against Nashville. He joins us here on Crown Corner. What's going on, Quinn? How are you, pal? Good. How are you guys? We're good, man. So in terms of the way that it's developed over the last two, what do you feel like uh, you've done to uh, not only improve your standing with the team, but but also maintain this spot over the last couple of games against both Houston and Nashville? Uh, I think it's really down to work rate and training, you know, just doing my best every day, learning from all the other guys around me and, you know, just enjoying the process of uh, working with Latancio and the other coaching staff. So when you trained with the team before the season started, you got your first professional contract, you were loaned out to Charlotte Independence. Did you really ever expect things to go this way? Was there a little bit of you that hoped you would get a chance in MLS or were you really focused on just playing in USL for this season? Well, of course, I wanted to hopefully make that that jump back because it was always in conversation saying that I'd come back to train a few times a week or a couple times in the month or something. So it was always on the cards. So that was a possibility. But, you know, I was really focused if I was with independence on, on doing well there. So um, and it, it just shows that whatever what I was focused on doing, whatever wherever I was, I just want to do my best and do my best effort. So I know we first saw you against uh, Montreal in that game that had all the COVID absences. But I, I want to focus on the week leading up to Houston first, because I know when, when Jess and I walked into the booth uh, for that Sunday night contest, we saw the lineup. We had no idea that you were going to be in it. So give us a sense of when Christian Latanzio told you uh, that you were starting against Houston and what was the conversation like, number one? And number two, what did he want from you uh, to try and at least bolster the lineup in terms of trying to make sure that you were, were getting something that they weren't getting beforehand? I don't think it was anything different. I, I really did find out probably the day before when we were kind of walking through practice and Andy came up to me and was asking me if I could hit set pieces. So I was like, I've usually if we go through set pieces and, you know, walk through training, it's, I would be in the lineup. Um, so I told him, no, I, I haven't taken them in five years or so. I never took them in, in college, but um, as, as per uh, what you're saying, anything different, I don't think it was. I think they were, they said, that, you know, they just wanted a little more running in the midfield and that high, uh, high engine, you know, is kind of what I do is pride myself on is being able to work both sides of the ball and, and knowing the heat index is 105 degrees, you know, 
just do my best out there. But there was nothing really specific. It was just working through training. And I think they just picked the lineup they thought would, would do well there. And when you speak about that lineup for the past two games, you've been really linking up with Brant Bronico and Sergio Ruiz. How do you feel like that relationship is building between you three guys holding in the midfield? I think it's been it's been excellent. As you can see from the last game from Houston to the last game, I think it's already improving as well. And um, I think we're very comfortable with each other. Brant, Brant's really good behind me and Sergio. And I think we all link up really well, like you said. In terms of your first couple of games in MLS, it's it's three in the books now for you. What have you noticed that is unique about this league than other levels you've played at, not just professionally, but also uh, in your entire soccer career? Yeah, I think there's just a diversity of players. There's guys from all over the world with all different kinds of skills and abilities. So kind of adapting that um, and just knowing the personnel on the other side is, is super important because you guys have like Mukhtar out there and, you know, they're very skilled players. So you just got to get comfortable playing around them and, you know, uh, not shy away from the, move, the, the moment. We've also spoken to a former college teammate of yours, George Marks, in the past, and he talked about adapting and the differences between the collegiate game and MLS. During your experience on the MLS pitch, what do you feel have been some of the biggest adjustments and biggest difficulties of adjusting to MLS versus the collegiate level? Yeah, the physicality level is much higher. You know, you have grown adults versus a bunch of college guys, 18 to 22, and the speed of play is also quicker. So, um, you know, that's one of the big things you have to get used to is just being a little more organized in your head. What do you want to do with it? Where do you want to go? But um, I think those two are the biggest things for me. What's been uh, your relationship with Ben Bender? Because I know that you guys kind of play in, in a very similar uh, style and a very similar part of the pitch. I know that, that he subbed in for you in the contest the last Saturday against Nashville. What have you been able to kind of take from him? And uh, I'm almost kind of noticing, you know, when you guys are training today, there's a, a lot of, you know, sponging off of each other, trying to make sure that, you know, you add something to his game. He adds something to yours as well. Yeah, Ben and I, we get along really well. We're good friends. You know, I'm always very happy to see him do all those two, two assists. I was the first person, you know, congratulating him. I think he's the same for me when I when I made my first start. So um, I think we really work together, both young guys in the league and trying to you know learn as much as possible. And I think we both respect each other's game. So there's things I want to take from him and I think vice versa. So we do really well and I think uh, we both back each other. You alluded to spending a lot of time in the Carolinas. Obviously, your collegiate career at Clemson finished off with the national championship. How special was it winning that national championship? And how amazing is it as well that you're joined with George Marks, one of your teammates that shared that glory with you? First of all, it was it was amazing. You know, you go to college and that's what you dream for. And for that to come true in my final season, you know, you can't go out on a higher note. So, and then to come here with George, you know, it's another cherry on top of it. George and I are really close friends and you know to continue that relationship here is you know you can't ask for much more i know we've talked about this with with jalen as well as uh with adam when we've talked to him but but being from the carolinas and i think we've also done this with george too you know you have a bit of a unique perspective into the soccer culture uh in this two-state area it's definitely a growing uh industry a growing part uh, of the culture of these two states what have you noticed from the time that you've lived here, not just in, in Greenville, but also uh, coming up here to Charlotte uh, in terms of how that culture has changed and developed over time? I mean, the buy-in is huge. You can see it at games. People like live and breathe for this club and people are coming from all over, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina. And I have friends always at the game. Someone I haven't spoken to in years, you know, send me a video of me playing. So I was 
good to connect with old people, but that just shows how much people are bought into it and really enjoy it. So I think it's come a long way since I've been here. And, uh, you know, I really love the support. The fans are awesome here. And did you expect it to be as popular as it was during that first ever game with the record-breaking crowd growing up in the Carolinas? Did you expect that when a professional team came here, everyone would fall so much in love with soccer? Honestly, I I didn't really think about it too much. Like when I when the team came, I was like, oh, this is gonna be awesome. You know, at first when they heard about it, I was still in college, so I was I was a fan at that point. Um, and then getting to come here was an even better experience. But yeah. Seeing that first game, I was, I was in the crowd watching, and I was like, it, it, you know, you couldn't, you're kind of starstruck watching all of it because to fill up that the whole stadium, 74,000 like that, is, is something incredible. I know that the Montreal and Houston games are probably hard for your family and friends to get to. So uh, I guess I'll ask you it this way How many people did you have at the, uh, at the Nashville game knowing it was your first home start? Uh, my parents came out, and one of my old college buddies that played at Clemson a while, uh, he was there as well, and I ended up giving him my jersey after the game. We were really good friends, so I was, I was really happy to see him out there. But my parents actually flew out to Houston last second knowing. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I know. So they were like, oh, we can't miss your first ever start. So that was, <laughs> that was a really special moment to see them after the game as well there too. Sounds like you've got an amazing support network behind you with your parents. Obviously, Christian Latanzio spoke very highly of you, having watched you at Independence. Who have been some of the biggest influences on your career to get as far as you have so far today? I would say the the coaches at Clemson really pushed me, and as well as my parents, not in, in any way on the field, but just supporting me, you know, understanding that there's good times and bad and always keeping my head pretty level with that. But, you know, for, for development, I'd say that the coaches over at Clemson really pushed me. And then this past year, Latancio and, and Mike Jeffries at Independence have done really well for me as well. We've alluded to it a little bit here, Quinn, but – the real competitive nature on this roster, kind of going back to to the work on the pitch, uh, it has been insane to see how much the depth of this team and this side has grown. This is a hard 20 to crack now. You got guys who are, you know, DPs who can't uh, crack the 20 because of hard work like you have and, and Ben and some of these other young players. What has it been like to be among this competitive atmosphere since Christian Latanzio has taken over? It seems like the team has really hitting almost kind of overdrive right now yeah I, I love it you know that was kind of the nature I've always been brought up in is you know you got to fight for it if you want it and I think since Latantios came in the energy is higher training I can't really speak before but you know what I've heard from other people is the energy has been great and that you know there's very enthusiastic and people are challenging and fighting and doing well in training so you know I love it every day out there and I think the guys do too and obviously you're a team player and you focus on the team first, but if you look at yourself and you look at the rest of the season, what are a couple of personal goals you'd like to achieve this season? I mean, first of all, is always, you know, being able to make the bench or being the the, eight, the 20 and hopefully the 11. So that's the first goal every week is, you know, make that achievement. And then on the field, it's, you know, hopefully more contributions in front of goal, assists, goals maybe, and then doing real, really well defensively, keeping that clean sheet if we can, or low goals against. So, on both sides of the ball, I want to do well for us. So I mentioned the competitive nature of this squad, Quinn. Um, I have to talk about another part of this team that I feel like has been very competitive. The, the celebration game has been very much a, a hotly contested scenario over the course of the last couple of weeks. What is going through your head when you see Carol Svidersky jump the ribbon board and go inside uh, the throne and, and go inside of the supporter section like that on Saturday? Well, at first, I didn't know where he was heading. I saw him jump over the board. I thought he was going to go celebrate, like, right in front of the fans. And he went up the steps, and 
at that point, I, I've never been up there, so I didn't know there's enough room for me to go up there. And then I was pretty tired at that point. So I was like, all right, I'll just get some water. while Because there's already enough people up there I couldn't fit. So I was like, all right, I'll celebrate with the other guys that didn't go up there and then get some water. Because I was pretty tired at that point. I'm surprised he didn't get a yellow card. I'm not trying to get him in trouble, but I was a little surprised. That often happens. Which was your favorite goal of that game? Which was your favorite of the four? I think I have to go with Andres because the way he Ooh. took that ball down off his chest, juggled over the player, you know, him and Ben linked up and then good face shot and puts it in the corner, top Ben. So, I mean, as a player, you're like, you just sit there and admire it because it's such a good goal. Such Top a good for goal of the week as well, right? We need to get voted. Yes. We need to remind everyone to vote for Andre's goal. We definitely do. And uh, I just, I, I've really loved seeing you play. It's been, it's been great to really see all the great stuff that uh, is going on with all these young players. And Quinn, uh, we can't thank you enough for coming on with us, number one. And number two, we wish you uh, the best of success and, uh, and continued uh, time in that 20, in that starting 11, because we've really enjoyed watching you play, man. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Welcome back. And yes, just to hit on the comments, we do pre-record those player interviews just because they can only have availability on Tuesday. It's time to take a little look at what the cat dragged in. Willie P, I believe he is back in studio and ready to join me here after I had a little bit of fun going rogue. Hey, Willie P, how was it going on WFNZ this morning or this afternoon? Wow. losing track. Afternoon. It's morning in Britain, probably, right? No, it's nighttime. It is nighttime. You're right. <laughs> hey, how's it going? It's been good. It's been good. We've got a big party in the house. Plenty of people here to listen to uh, yours truly. And now we'll see if they stick around now that Willie P's back in town. Uh, I, I came just in time to drive everybody away. Um, it's I, I'll say this. The, the game last week took on a life of its own, didn't it? Because I feel like more people have asked me about that game, just casual fans. People who aren't, you know, the diehards like we, we like to try to cater to, but we always try to cater to everybody. But I feel like more people have asked me about that game than any of the ones this year since the opener, just because of the, the sheer magnitude of the scoring that we had, but also just how different it's all looked for this club, not just under Latanzio, but it all kind of came to a head in that contest on Saturday. It did indeed, and it's a scoreline that's always going to gravitate questions because, let's be honest, how often do you see a game that has a 4-1 scoreline? Not very often, but as I've mentioned, and I mentioned earlier on in the show, it's a scoreline that doesn't tell a full story of how incredible Charlotte FC was, not just with their finishing, but more importantly, with the heart they showed, with the fight they showed, with the fact that there was a point where they were clinging on. There was a point when I remember pivotal moment, Christian Fuchs turning to the crowd. He had just made a clearance. He turned to the crowd. It was 2-1. He's roaring at the crowd, trying to get them behind the bat because he knew in that moment that we needed a little more, that it wasn't necessarily our three points. We needed to right. earn those three points. And in that moment, everything changed. And when Latanzio made the substitutions, he made some great substitutions that brought on energy, that had a point to prove, that saw that they were going to be out there to have some fun, to enjoy themselves, to have a little bit of offensive freedom. It made such a difference. And actually, listen, it's all well and good dominating an opposition and having an easy victory. But there's something more prideful and more entertaining about the way that we did it, about the way that we faced adversity 
and then turned the whole storyline the other way. And like Andrew's saying, the way that we really upset some Nashville fans on their long <laughs> drive home. Yeah, the the Carujo injury, I think, when we saw Christian McCoon come on the pitch, and McCoon, unfortunately, has turned into a polarizing figure, and I, and I don't want it to be so. I think Christian McCoon's a very good, serviceable center back. It just happens to be the fact that he's on a team that has got an all-world center back in Guzman Carujo. Uh, Anton Walk, so I feel like, is somebody who we're still seeing more and more great things from. And even somebody like Fuchs who can play that position, it's just he's behind that trio. And there have been market times where we've seen him not necessarily play up to speed. That didn't happen on Saturday, thankfully. And I think he needs to to be not only given some kudos, but I, I do feel like, like you said, they had to overcome a lot of adversity from that Carujo departure. Because anytime you fix your back line, you've said this countless times on broadcast this season, Anytime you have to do that, it's it's very disadvantageous to your side, especially what's going on in front of goal. Absolutely, it is. Because when you make those changes, you change the style of play. McCoon doesn't play the same way as Corujo. And your goalkeeper has to know that. Your centre-back partnership needs to know that. Anton Walks had to adjust the way that he played. Christian Fuchs had to adjust the way that he played. But that's not the first time Christian McCoon's come in at that centre-back position off of the bench and shown what he can do. He did it against Inter Miami in the second half. And for me, I actually think Christian McCoon is more focused when he comes in as a substitute, when he's sure. watched a little bit of the game. He has performed better off of the bench or moving into that back five, for instance, when he's come in than when he starts. And I wonder if some of that comes from the fact now that he knows his place isn't given. There were moments under Miguel where it felt like McCoon could do anything and he would be able to play still. And sometimes as a player, you get a little complacent and you start to feel very settled. Now that's not necessarily the case for him. And he knows when he steps on that pitch, he has to prove his worth. He has to prove himself. He wants to fight for that starting position. And he's starting to do that. And as I mentioned earlier before you joined us, Will, if we're in a position where Guzman Carujo doesn't feature in the starting lineup for the first time in this club's history, I think we will be okay with McCoon because he's now in a mindset where... I need to play for my position. Also, not to mention the fact it's against Inter Miami, a team that he knows True. very well, a fan base he knows very well, and a team that he would really want to prove himself while playing against. Yeah, I'd be curious to see if Latanzio goes with McCoon or if he bumps Fuchs down to play center back, plays more in the starting lineup. That could be uh, that could be one that you, you see possibly happening. Again, we really haven't known whether or not Carujo is going to play or not. Carujo was was there at training each of the last two days, but but off to the side. So uh, I do feel like they, they at least can see that he's, uh, he's at least serviceable during training sessions, but not necessarily training with the whole squad. So we'll see what that means for his availability this weekend. Uh, I also feel like, too, just in the standpoint of, of just the subs in general, the fact that they've been able to go to a back five with the lead in the last two contests and change the shape, I think – We've seen more intricacies to Christian Latanzio's sub-patterns these last two games than we saw over the first four. Yeah, I was critical early on about his subs. I thought they were a little reactionary, and I thought they were a little like-for-like. Like. There wasn't much change. It was, I'm going to swap this winger for this winger. I'm going to swap this midfielder for this midfielder. There wasn't any dynamic to it that changed the way that the game was going to play. But ever since the last couple of games, when he's moved to the back five, 
And, and a lot of people might think a back five is more defensive, but look at the goals we scored playing out of that back five, which I think is very telling as well about the confidence of the subs. And I think that these substitutes are playing motivated. Like I say, they're not mad that they're on the bench, but they have a point to prove coming off the bench. And I think Andre Shinyashiki last week in a press conference said it best that Latanto is a very honest man. He's going to tell you why you're on the bench. He's going to tell you what you need to work on when you come on the pitch. And because you have that clear directive, because you know what he's looking for from you, you're able to perform and you're able to show that. And look at Ben Bender. Look at Shinyashiki coming off the bench. They have come in and offered a different energy against the fatigue back line. And they have been so impactful at helping those results get weighted in in those matches. So I, I've had an opportunity to talk to a bunch of fans over the course of the last couple of days, not just on uh, FNZ, but also uh, thanks to the guys from the uh, Charlotte Soccer Show for for showcasing us uh, this week. The There's a couple of personnel-related decisions that has caused some, I don't want to say division among the fan base, but uh, the right-back situation. Conversations. conversations. Yes, conversations. The right-back conversation right now is probably a heavy topic because – a lot of love for Jalen Lindsay, the right back position, because he is a Charlotte native and was the guy who started a very big portion of our contest before the season or the early part of the season. And Harrison Offal, who has been there at least in recent memory. I like Harrison. I know that defensively he's not as strong as Jalen, but I don't want to sacrifice the ability to go forward just to sure up the defense on that right side. And honestly, Harrison's improved a lot defensively in the last few weeks. I was very critical of his vision in terms of his body shape positioning, checking over his shoulders. Last couple of weeks, it hasn't been an issue as much. He's been very observant over his shoulders. I think some of that coincides with Anton Walks and his communication. Like I've mentioned a lot, he's very vocal with moving his back line. But we haven't been exposed as much defensively with Harrison Awful in over the last couple of weeks. And like you say, Will, going forward, his service, his confidence to take a shot, his confidence to drive a ball in. And when you look at the substitution, when you look at when Jalen Lindsay comes in, it shows where Latanzio sees his strengths. Latanzio views Jalen Lindsay's strengths as defensive because he brings in Jalen Lindsay when he's trying to shore out a result. When Jalen Lindsay is coming off of the bench, it shows Latanzio's mindset is changing a little here. Okay, we're in a winning position. I want to bring on Jalen Lindsay to secure things defensively. He's not going to offer as much going forward. Listen, Harrison Awful is an aging guy, though. Those Jalen Lindsay fans, and I think we're all Jalen Lindsay fans just because sure. of the attachment that he has with the club, he will get his time to shine. And he's a young player. And I think sometimes we forget that because of his MLS level of experience, because he started playing in MLS so young, it's hard to remember that he's still a kid out there that's developing in his game, that's learning this system. I think the future is very bright for Jalen Lindsay, but I also think learning through Harrison Awful, an Emerson MLS veteran, is a huge win for him as well. And I think that competition between each other, it's no given spot. There'll be competition. We'll see rotation. But right now, if you're going to pick between the two of them, it's got to be Harrison Awful because of what he offers for you going forwards and the fact that he has shored up things a little defensively. And to give Jalen some credit too, he ended up did end up getting a secondary assist on that one goal as well, or at least help ping the ball forward to to get them uh, one of those insurance markers against Nashville. An another uh, spot I feel like people have been talking a lot about, um, at least I think Jordi Reyna, first of all, has earned that spot on the left side of the line with the way that he had his service in the last two contests. I don't think he's somebody you can drop right now. Uh, there's a lot of question about Josviak, and I... I'm not seeing it. 
I, I think Yozviak is is really starting a burgeoning uh, duo with him and, and Karol Svidersky. People want to see Andre come in and start the game. There's also a lot of clamoring for uh, for Gaines and or Kerwin Vargas. I, I just think that you have to to let that Camille Carroll relationship continue to try and blossom. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one because we have so much squad depth. We have likable personalities. How can you not love Andre Shinyashiki? How can you not want, after you've seen a little Kerwin Vargas, how can you not want to see that flair come on the pitch? It's difficult. McKinsey Gaines quick as fire and a very smart player with the runs that he makes. But you've got to try and let that relationship form. Like you say, Juzviak is coming a long way. I still think his finishing has a little to work on, but I think that his service is getting better. The runs he's making are better. He's seeing the ball, timing it well, those kind of things. Jordi Reyna it is spectacular in my eyes. He's a different player coming off of that injury. I'm wondering if he spent a lot of time in that injury period, self-reflecting about what he needed to do coming into that twilight of his career. He's been a bit of an MLS journeyman. I think it's time that he wants to kind of earn his starting spot. And that's what he's doing. And as I mentioned with Jordi Reyna, the difference between him right now and the other wingers that we have is that diversity of service. That little no-look pass, reverse ball through to Sergio Ruiz. That was such an intelligent play that I don't think anyone else had in their locker that vision. But then you look at the service that he got in the own goal. Look at that difference in the delivery. We've seen a lot of drilled crosses. We've seen a lot of cutbacks. Mm. That was a floated ball that allowed a touch. Jordi Reyna has come a long way. And I know there's a lot of people saying he's a little lazy, but I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that he has come a long way in his defensive presence as well. Both the wingers have. Juzviak as well. We've seen them making clear clearances back in their own 18-yard box, getting back in, offering something defensively. Listen, it's a great issue to have. I wouldn't want to be Latanzio picking towards them because Shinishiki's been spectacular. Two goals off of the bench in two games. How can you not think that that deserves a shout at starting position? But if it's not broke, don't fix it. And right now, Andre is having a heyday, the same as Ben Bender, coming off of the bench against tired legs. They are a nightmare to face against. If it's not broke, don't fix it, Will. Yeah, I'm with you. It, it's it's right now a, a, an 11 that is incredibly solid and has showcased the depth that we have. And, and it enters in a stretch right now, Jess, where starting with Inter-Miami and the next four contests after it, is, as QC Javi talks about the, the super strong uh, combo with Reyna and Svidersky, and, and both those can definitely provide goals. And, and they will need goals over the next five because – they're playing teams that are below them in the playoff line, Jess. You got Inter-Miami and Toronto, both road games, and then a stretch of three consecutive home games. This is independent of the Chelsea match, obviously. Home home Columbus, home D.C. United, and home Chicago. All five of these teams are below Charlotte FC's spot currently in the playoff mixture. I, I feel like you can't drop points over the next five if you want to have a say in the postseason this upcoming year. You can't. We're in a very delightful position that is somewhat in our hands. We have a schedule that suits us in terms of playing teams that are below us. And as long as you beat those teams below us, guess what they say? Right below you. But if you drop those points, not only do you drop physical points on the table, you drop a bit of the mental game too. The other teams start to feel like they've got a chance coming back into it. They start to catch on you. You're looking over your shoulder. The way you want to be in this momentum building stage is only looking forwards. And right now we find ourselves in sixth in a pretty good position, still teams below us with games in hand. But if we have the chance to play them, you cannot give them that opportunity to look ahead of us. So really key stages. I think it's 
imperative that those games are at home because as much as yes we got the monkey off our back on the road it's still more difficult and our crowd is incredible players want to play here let's be honest so I think it's very much in our hands and the next couple of weeks are going to be so key to Charlotte FC and if they're going to make that claim to an inaugural season playoff run. Immediately in front of us, it is Inter-Miami, a team we've seen before. It was a victory in our building. We'll see if they can go down to Fort Lauderdale and take some points. We'll talk with Thomas Rongin from their radio side. Of course, uh, they're obviously preoccupied tonight, which we'll get into with Philadelphia as we go do a little opposition research. It's time to do a little opposition research for our next opponent. It is Inter-Miami, a team we're familiar with. The victory earlier in the season on Charlotte FC's schedule. And Thomas Rongen handles, handles, of course, the TV and radio side for them. And he joins us here on Crown Corner. And Thomas, uh, I know that the uh, situation for you guys with the game on Wednesday night, uh, Charlotte FC is not in your immediate offing. But in terms of how you look at the way this season's gone, what has been different about this side since we last saw Inter-Miami about a month and a half ago? Yeah, and it was in a uh, tightly contested game that you guys, Charlotte, obviously won one nothing. Uh, first game, by the way, for uh, um, one of your leading goal scorers right now coming off the bench and scoring in that particular game. And it could have gone either way, I thought. Um, but we've come a long way, I think, into Miami this year. Let's go back to the start of the year and, and, and fast forward through now. 18 changes being made to the roster. So in essence, we're not. But in, in one sense, we are still an expansion team as well. One starter played, for instance, in the last game from the previous year. Shows you the changes, obviously, that were made. Um, and that have, at home in particular, I think there's some really interesting um, correlations, dynamics between both teams. Both play well at home. Uh, Charlotte got the first win, actually, against Houston not too long ago. And, and, and we had a draw against Dallas, a really, really tough loss. Uh, an OG on goal in the 92nd minute by Damian Lowe to lose against Orlando. We probably deserve more out of that one. So, you know, that, that's the next step, I think, for this team. If you want to be a playoff contender to get results on the road, like you guys did against Houston, obviously. Uh, but at home, we've been pretty good, you know. And then you look at Yetlin, who was just announced that he's part of the MLS All-Star team. Uh, Damian Lowe, uh, Mabika or Sailor, the rookie of the year, obviously. Uh, McVeigh, who's played in the left. Uh, Kieran Gibbs might get a chance against, uh, against Philly. In midfield, we've settled a little bit with uh, Jean Motta, Gregory and, you know, just like you guys have always a surprise young player in, in Ben Bender. Uh, we have Bryce Duke that's been pretty darn good in our number 10 position up front. It's obviously out wide, a combination of Taylor and Vasilev. Could be uh, Lasseter against uh, Charlotte and then obviously the guy that's carrying most of the weight, unfortunately, is, um, is Capana. Um, so a huge game for us on, on, on Saturday at home, and hopefully a good result on Wednesday will help that. Uh, clearly, the fitter and healthier legs are probably for on the Charlotte side because this team has played a lot of games, started late in Orlando, game finished at 1 a.m., traveled back. So Philadelphia coming to town, they get a one-day rest, and, and we're playing again on, on Saturday against, uh, uh, against Charlotte, uh, which, should, uh, which should make for, I think, a very interesting uh, game and, and, and a game that maybe shows how far these teams have come 
uh, this year, Charlotte in, in sixth. We're looking to get into the playoffs, uh, but from fifth or sixth through 10, 11, it's very tight. Uh, we've got games in hand, so uh, at home, that, this is where we have to do the business. You alluded, Thomas, to Leo Campana and the fact that he's the only player on your team that scored more than two goals this season. How much of a concern is that for Inter Miami that so many of your goals are coming from one individual? Well, I mean, that's, that's obviously huge. And, and, and clearly the disappointment continues. You know, let me rephrase that a little bit. Of uh, Gonzalo Higuain, who was a guy that was supposed to carry the, the load, obviously. Your DP, your, your, your highest paid player, hasn't really worked out for him uh, that well either last year or, or, or this year. And Leo Capana has come in and said, this is my, my spot, so to speak. Uh, in saying that, Chris Anderson continues to be aggressive. Uh, hopefully, maybe even Saturday, but that's not for sure yet. Uh, you might see Alejandro Pesuelo, you know, the former MVP, obviously, uh, for Toronto FC, uh, the 2020 MVP of MLS. Uh, I think it's close to 30 goals and close to 40 assists since 2019. So now you're talking about just uh, hopefully a guy that can add to the attack and take some of the pressure of, of, of Campana. Because if you're an opponent, you say, if we, if we keep Leo Campana to a zero in terms of scoring, mm -hmm. we have a very good chance of, of beating this team. And also, Jean Corentin from Lens uh, was brought in uh, for one point whatever million dollars. And Chris Henderson and Phil Neville uh, expect a lot from him out wide. Another player that can provide more service, another player that can score and, and assist as well. Uh, how early do we see them? Hopefully it's against Charlotte on Saturday. What went wrong, Thomas, with the Iguain experiment or has gone wrong with the Iguain experiment? I, I think it, it wasn't just Iguain experiment. I think it was the first year experiment uh, that included players like Pizzato, Matuidi, Iguain. Um, you know, and the list goes on of guys that we shed it that really underperformed. Uh, I, I think we started top heavy. And I think if you look at teams in the league that do well, they, 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 they build a firm nucleus and then they add players. I mean, LAFC is a great example. The best team in the league right now. And Bale and Kalini haven't even played yet. So if you can build a good core, first and foremost, and then add the cherries on the, uh, on, on the ice, so to speak, uh, which they've done, that's the direction also that now um, this team is taking as well. I expect in the offseason for one or two big-time moves again, but that will be based on needs and position and, you know, what, what's, what's important. And character, DNA um, are high in, in Phil Neville's and in Chris Henderson's uh, flag, so to speak. So they'll continue to do their due diligence. First project failed. The second one, you know, is still uh, somewhat on track, but still can be better. How much pressure do you think is on Neville right now as the manager? with how maybe it's been underachieved with the product that he's had? The group still believes in him. I, I, can, I, can, I can tell that. We're, we're a team that doesn't lose anymore if we go down one nothing and lose by five, which is the first uh, two years. Uh, it's a team that, that can hang in there now and come back like we did in the last home game when we were down one nothing, And, and Vasilev scores a brace, um, the fastest brace as a substitute in the history of MLS to win 2-1 at home. Um, so that has changed. Uh, we're younger, uh, we're fitter, we're faster. 
Um, so I think that 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 film is not on the hot seat, in, in, in my opinion, not because it was linked to Beckham, just because I think the group and Chris Harris still very much believes that he is the uh, the right man for the job. Well, so before we ask you about the the clinical keys to the Charlotte match, I do want to ask you about Wednesday night. Uh, uh, I don't need to tell you what kind of a pest Philadelphia is to play against. Uh, we saw them earlier in the season. What needs to happen for you guys to obtain a result against a very tough Union squad coming in to to drive Pink Stadium? Yeah, they're they're you know Jim Curtin. They've done a tremendous job, by the way, Philly. Obviously, uh, bringing young players. Uh, look at Aronson. You know the brother of of Paxton Aronson, the brother of Brendan Aronson, being a standout under 20 guy going back to the Olympics. He was one of the key factors, obviously. And, and there was four, three or four players of the under 20 team or predominantly Philadelphia Union players that, that performed uh, very well. Uh, so they have youth, they have some experience um, and they're in your face kind of team, which is hard to deal with. So for us, it's, it's defending well, uh, counter, which we've become a little bit of a counter attacking team. Uh, we, we, we don't possess the ball still well enough. That's another area that we can get better um, and, and limit mistakes. I think lack of concentration leads to the own goal late against Orlando. We've gotten some cards. Uh, Gregory has missed two games. Mota has missed the game as well. So uh, if there's better discipline all the way around um, and we're in this game, which I think we, we will be uh, based on how well we've done at home, 5-2-2, two and two, and in particular as of late, we've gotten more wins than and draw us a losses. Uh, I think actually we can look at potentially, and that's how Phil looks at it, three points against Philly, and, and then look where this team is at in terms of fatigue as well. Uh, you get some guys back healthier, like Ariel Lasseter, that, that, that wasn't part of that. Kieran Gibbs is back. Marsman is there. Ayola's back. Uh, so there's a little bit more quality depth as well. Um, I know that Phil Neville is looking at this as a, as a, as a six-point two games at home for us before we go on a very tough road trip. And what were the keys? What have you learned since the last time? Obviously, with the 1-0 narrow loss to Charlotte at home for us, what are you going to do differently to approach this one for a victory in your place? Yeah, yeah as, as, as tough as it might sound, uh, because we play, obviously, a game on Wednesday, less rest. Uh, I think the climatic conditions have played a huge role as of late. As soon as we hit the, the summer, Teams struggled in the last 20 minutes against us. They really run into a wall. And I've played here. I've coached here. I lost between eight to, time, eight to 10 pounds of fluids during a 90-minute game playing for the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. So it takes its toll. And our team wants to train in the middle of the day in the heat. So they know they have an advantage late in the game. We won games late. And that trend, in my opinion, will, will continue as well. Uh, you got to stop Fuchs. He's been uh, incredible, obviously, on that left side. Uh, your two leading goal scorers, be it off the bench or, or, or starting, uh, are, are key for us. But I think that Damien Lowe, uh, McVeigh, Saylor, uh, Mabika have done a pretty darn good job. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're still poor in our plus minuses. You guys are, I think, minus one. We still have minus eight or nine. Um, only scored 18, giving up 26, but that plus minus uh, is shrinking a little bit. So we've become a harder and difficult team to play against uh, at home. And I think that trend will continue. Thomas Rongen, Inter-Miami broadcaster. Appreciate the time as always. Uh, we'll see you on Saturday. Good luck on Wednesday. Thank you very much, Will. Thank you, Jess. Take care, Thomas. 
Thomas Rongen joining us here from Inter-Miami's broadcast crew. Uh, they play an 8 p.m. contest tonight, and it uh, should be interesting too, Jess, because uh, a little short week for them. It is indeed. I think Thomas alluded to it a little bit. It depends on who is fit, who is okay, who gets to play. Of course, he mentioned the heat, but let's be honest, it gets pretty hot in Charlotte as well, so I think we don't have as much of a climate change. It's still a little hotter down there, but I think we'll be just fine. Yeah, I uh, I want to let him slide on that one because uh, you're you're a good just, host. You're a good guest. I I, I try. I try. Uh, we also uh, have a very good friend of ours who is a good host <laughs> and guest as well. Our friend Julian Sidor has been a very very great person uh, bringing us on the morning shows of Queen City News. We decided to turn the tables on him for this week's supporter spotlight. It is Crown Corner. It is quarter section spotlight time, but we, we really wanted to focus on this week on somebody who has really supported Jess and I uniquely. So if if the radio team had a supporter section, we feel like the man who would be leading that charge is Julian Sidor of Queen City News, Fox 46 here in Charlotte. He is probably the biggest soccer fan among television people in this town. <laughs> and uh, he's been doing the interviews with us on Mondays on Queen City News, and we appreciate him joining us here on Crown Corner for the first time. Julian, thank you so much for taking some time away from hopefully uh, what isn't your nap time here uh, to do uh, radio slash TV with us. It is an absolute honor. Maybe a little bit into my nap time, but for, for you two, it's 100% worth it. Anytime I have a chance to hang out with uh, Jess and Willie P, I'm going to 100% take it. But I'm a little bit nervous. Normally, I'm the one asking you two the questions, and now the roles have been reversed. It's payback time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm going to ask this from, a, from just a, a baseline standpoint. How did you get into soccer? And I guess what were you thinking when you found out that Charlotte was going to be an MLS city? So here is the absolute truth. And you and hopefully you couldn't tell by my enthusiasm and, and by the way I talk about the sport. I'm completely new to soccer. I had never really followed soccer very much. I grew up in the DC area. So we had DC United. And I remember Freddie Adu was like the big thing. I went to two matches and that was about it. And so when Charlotte got a, a football club, I'm like, okay, you know what? This is my chance to really dive in and embrace it because the whole entire city did. And I've just been caught up in the whole entire momentum, the storm, as everybody else has. And I've completely fallen in love with the sport that I thought I would never fall in love with. And so I'm learning the terms. I'm learning the game outside of FIFA, which I played, you know, sparingly. It has been an absolute amazing experience. So I feel like I'm going along with the ride with everybody else here in the Carolinas as we completely go headfirst into, into soccer, into football, and Charlotte FC. You had us fooled. Honestly, you did. <laughs> good, good. I've been studying hard. How important do you think it is that mainstream TV, other platforms, not just sports media, showcase this team? And why do you think that is? That is a great question. I think because um, I've heard it as a beautiful game and I never understood the beautiful game until I started to watch it. I mean, there, if you love technical play, if you love the, a, a supporter section where everybody is welcome, if you just love an experience that, that goes beyond match to match, I mean, it is so important to showcase this game um, to as many people as possible because I really think as Americans, we don't really get a chance to get exposed to this. 
I mean, this is my first time really getting into it, and I'm 31 years old, and I think if more people had a chance to see what a beautiful game it was, how it's played, how the coaches care about the players, the players interact with one another, the intricacies of the game, how much fans fall in love with the team, how they live and die uh, with, with every match, I think more people would fall in love with it like I have. Since you're maturing now out of your uh, soccer infancy, I'll ask the question this way. What is the most surprising thing that you either didn't know about the sport beforehand that you've either come to know about and or appreciate now that that we are entrenched now uh, 20 or so games into Charlotte's first MLS season? The timing, the timing of the game. And so this is something that I think Jess, Jess brought up one thing uh, early on in an interview. She talked about the runs and timed runs and things like that. And I, I didn't understand how important it was for everybody to be on the same page. And kind of as a fan, I, I was starting to look at Charlotte FC during their infancy. And, and I thought they kind of looked lost in the attacking third. And I'm like, what's going on there? Why are they lost? And I didn't understand the timing that has to be done there. Timed runs and making sure that you find the striker as they're going in. The timing of the game. It is insane. I thought it was just, and I'm sorry, I'm going to sound like a dumb American here, just kicking the ball around. Like, how can you not figure this out? But the timing <laughs> has to be there. And then you stay with the timing. And now that I understand the game, I get more frustrated. And now I understand why soccer fans go ballistic because you're seeing it as a fan. It's like, oh, be there. Be there. Why aren't you near post? You need to I be there. I up on you. It feels like, it feels like you're speaking vicariously through me, Julian. The last time we got to chat, we were talking about lack of clinical finishing and we were talking about missing chances. How amazing was it seeing a team score four goals at home and be clinical oh. in front of goal? Okay, so it, it was absolutely amazing. And it, and it feels like I was talking with my coworker and I want to shout her out here because she has been also one of my, my soccer mentors, Amber Kent uh, Jones, one of our producers, we were just talking about, we feel like the team is 85% there. We're finally getting to see a, 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 a side that is almost there and is finally connecting on things. First of all, Reyna looks like he's floating on water with, with, hmm. with the way he plays some of the balls in there. And, and to see Swiderski finally get one, to see him finally connect there. Oh, it felt so good as he went up in the stands. I felt like we were all with them like, yes, yes. And here's, and here's the beautiful thing too. The most beautiful connection I love is the connection between Ben Bender and Andre Shinyashiki. I mm -hmm. mean, it is like music every single time those two get on the pitch together and watching that connection there. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's music to my ears. It feels so good. It's, it's, so I'm going to feel like I'm asking you to pick children here, but, but which was, and we asked this of uh, one of our earlier guests, uh, which was your favorite goal on Saturday? Oh, that's tough. That's tough. Oh, gosh. I have mine. Um, I have mine. I have mine. So part of me, oh, if part of me wants to say it's, it's, it's Swiderski just because I wanted it so bad for him. I really just, he has been, it felt like under Mar, he was the only striker and we, we had to play exclusively through him. So for him to finally get the, the camel off his back, the monkey off his back, so to say that felt good, but selfishly, here's mine. It's Shinyashiki because I, it, it was just, it was, a. It, in my opinion, it felt like the unnecessary goal, but any single time he scores, the fire and intensity that he brings into the match, I just love every single time he's on the pitch. I, I'm drawn to him. I want to watch him even when he's playing off ball. See, mine was Sergio's. Oh, yeah, I would yeah. go with Sergio too. Just yeah. that he, he had a similar need to get that goal and the run that he made, even though he was fatigued to break 
down that pitch. Uh, I feel like mm-hmm. it was amazing. But Swiderski, Shinyashiki, every goal. I mean, it just felt like a party out there. Good. It truly did. How did, how was it? Is, you know, see, I had I had to watch, unfortunately, from from home. How was it there? I mean, you guys. I mean, okay. Also, I have to ask. Really, it was bloody. I'll say this: it was bloody for Jess, the Shinyashiki one, at least. How 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 do you not lose your breath? I mean, do you have oxygen in there? Is there like an oxygen tank that you take hits of while Jess is talking? Because the, the amount, the the pitch that you get to, and for people that don't work in TV and, and radio, for Willie to sustain that level of intensity at that pitch for as long as he does is not common. So I don't know how you do it. So I'm sure you I had to get it. oxygen after the match. It's 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 a lot of work. I'll say it's a lot of work. <laughs> And, and, and a lot of not eating. Spot, Julian, you put me on the spot during a Queen City interview. Uh-huh. You mentioned Andre Shinyashiki scoring his goal. Uh-huh. Together we cussed the Shinyashimi. Show me the <laughs> yes. Shinyashimi. Oh, it's right here. It's a Shinyashimi, baby. You got a shimmy. Oh, I love it. And here's the thing, too. Being part Japanese, he's got a soft spot, soft spot in, in my heart because I'm mixed just like he is. So... To have a mixed player too uh, of Japanese descent, I'm just—it was immediate connection. I, I, that's if, I, if I'm going to get my first kit, it's going to be his. Can, you, by ben can ben. you expand on that a little bit though, Julian? Because I think that's something that's very special about soccer too—the diversity in the team, the representation. How important do you think it is as a minority to have that representation on the pitch in the players that you look up to? Oh gosh, um, I absolutely love it, um, and it's a sport. That, so I'll, I'll give you a little background in, into um, my life. I grew up playing baseball was my primary sport, football as well, American football. Um, but baseball, I was uh, usually the only person of color or one of three on my team. And so to, to come to a sport where diversity is, is so welcome and embraced and it's in such an inclusive environment, um, and to see somebody of Japanese descent um, too on the team you, you just feel so welcome. And that's one of the things that really drew me to the sport is that people just feel welcome watching these games, whether you're in the supporter section, whether you're watching the players. Um, it's a level of inclusivity that, um, quite frankly, I don't think we've reached um, in too many American sports. Uh, you can find players that you really just connect with and connect even more so than just your superstars in whether it be MLB, NFL, uh, NHL, you name it. I feel like, uh, and I was talking again about this again with uh, our producer, you, you have these connections with these players that I, I think is um, pretty much unparalleled, not just the superstars, but all the way down to the reserves. You get connections with these players that uh, it's just unmatched. Well, not only have we gotten connections with players, uh, we've gotten a connection with you since uh, this club has come to fruition. We appreciate always the opportunities to go on with you, and we also appreciate you coming on with us, Julian. Thank you so much for the time, and uh, we hope to see this thing keep going as uh, as we go throughout the rest of the year. Uh, look, I am on. I am hooked. I'm on the ride with Charlotte FC all the way. And, and Jess and Willie P, anytime you guys want to come on the show, of course, you're welcome. We just love hearing your broadcast. You guys do a phenomenal job. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Julian. That is Charlotte FC radio uh, super fan, uh, Julian Sador with us here on Crown Corner. Uh, yeah, second consecutive week, Jess, that we've had a, a representative from the supporters talk about representation and how important it is. 
Yeah, I think it was really brilliant the way that Julian opened up and shared how important it is to see people in a sport that look like you. And for young kids in particular, it's so nice to have that diversity in the team. And I think when you look around the crowd, even on a deeper level, how much diversity is within that stadium. There's men, there's women, there's children, people of every race, people of, you know, everyone is there, every nationality represented. And that's something that's very special to me too. I love seeing women and young girls falling in love with the game like I did because it's a sport that really is a sport for everybody. So really love that Julian brought that up. Something else I love is uh, Matthew Krenz's comment that it's helium rather than oxygen that Willie P has to his access. Wow. I would tend to agree with you, Matthew. There are some levels <laughs> in that voice that sometimes I wonder if a dog could hear it. You know, like those dog whistles? <laughs> it, it, it's like you've got a dog whistle at times. My ears bled <laughs> a little, but I will sacrifice my earlobes if Charlotte FC scores four goals every week because it's definitely worthwhile for those sort of moments. That's the second time that I've heard you use that line. Hey, Although, I've got again, to get it in. If people weren't listening to me with Nick Wilson, which shout out to Nick Wilson. Nick Wilson was a... Uh, listening earlier on so always nice when the boys get behind uh, us speaking of bleeding how was your thigh that you cut on the uh, on the ledge by the way yeah um it was funny because i don't think everyone believed me and then i posted a picture of me and my dad and there was still blood dripping down my legs so <laughs> it, it was a dangerous environment in the booth i did mention that i may get hurt by the end of the season i didn't think it would be my sheer joy of jumping up and catching my leg on the table celebrating on joshin yashiki's goal but again Worth it. I will sacrifice whatever it takes if Charlotte FC keeps winning. Speaking of members of the team, our good pal Anthony Pagnata, we call him Flounder on the Mac Attack, put forth a very interesting question about the uh, MLS All-Star team. Uh, no Charlotte FC members on the team. <clears throat> which which player do you feel like got snubbed the most? Uh, the one that I go to is Kalina. I feel like I would have dropped the Minnesota goalkeeper for Kalina just because I feel like he is... He's been somebody who I feel like we've counted on a bunch this season. I think he made two very world-class saves in the Nashville match. I think I know a lot of this has to do with the fan vote, so a lot of times it would be uh, uh, somewhat skewed toward the way that uh, it, it could be like a popularity contest a lot of times. I feel like Kalina is deserving. No, I'll go with Karuha. How's our minutes leader, a guy that only stepped off the pitch for the first time this season against Nashville, been snubbed like that. And I mean, when I say Guzman Corujo is a spectacular defender, I mean it. And I know Latanto has mentioned how Anton Walks is one of the best defenders in the league. I don't disagree with that. But I think Guzman Corujo is also up there as one of the best defenders in the league. And I think we ha are at a disadvantage when it comes to those picks. Because like you mentioned, well, some are voted on by fans and then the coach picks and then the commissioner picks. And when you're a new team, you're not in the limelight light necessary as much. You don't have as many big name stars that are going to sell tickets. But I'll tell you something, if Guzman Corujo was on that pitch, I think there's a lot of people that would buy tickets because that man is a force to be reckoned with, a leader, uh, a fantastic player, charismatic, passionate, and everything that I would want in my team if I was a manager. So I think they've missed out on a superstar there. I think you've got Ben Bender, who's Sean. Um, has been an exciting rookie as well, who... I think that, as we mentioned, he's stolen a lot of people's hearts. Surprised that maybe we didn't get behind him and vote enough. But like I said, people said Andre too, Jeff. Yeah, with with how he's come on as a shiner. I'll say this though, you know, I don't mind necessarily that we don't have any players. One less game, one less risk of injury. 
who knows what happens? What happens if one of our players steps on that pitch, gets injured? And, you know, it's the same with the Chelsea game. Our priority right now, as much as we would love to have those moments, has to be on MLS because we mm. want to make sure that come October, we've got an extended schedule. Not to mention the fact that uh, it's always nice to be kind of under the radar. I, I prefer being under the radar as opposed to having people, you know, take advantage and, and watch us. Although nice to prove people wrong. It's nice to prove people wrong. Although it is, it is nice getting a chance to clap back at some of these MLS pundits. Last couple it of has been glorious. And like Lucha says, strikers win matches, defenders win titles. It's a team effort. And I think that that's an area of our game we've improved on. And it's no surprise that as we improve defensively, we improve with the points that we pick up. I'm hoping that pretty soon we get to start at the calling uh, Guzman Carrujo a York Wine International, too, because I think that, that he should be getting some of that national team love as well. Who knows? And most importantly, what a statement that would be for MLS. You know, uh, one of the biggest things about this league is that it's growing in the level of seriousness that is taken, whether it be in Europe, South America, everywhere in the world now is looking at MLS as a serious place to recruit their players from. So loving being a part of it, loving Charlotte FC. Three points, please, on Saturday. I was going to say, uh, I, I I know that you got to take care of Campana and you got to take care of Yedlin. We'll see if Higuain plays. It'll be depending on whether or not we see it tonight. But I like the way we handled Miami first time around. It's impossible to expect that to happen second time around just as efficiently. But I like our chances in Fort Lauderdale on, on Saturday night. I think that when we talk about momentum, most momentum we've had all season, feeling confident off of that Houston win, feeling confident off of the victory at home, of course. So let's take it to them and make sure that we keep beating people that are below us because that's how we stay in those playoff positions. Uh, we are on the air 7.30 tonight as uh, Charlotte FC gets ready for Inter-Miami. 8 p.m. is the scheduled start time for the match here on uh, WFNZ and the Charlotte FC Radio Network. I uh, hope you enjoyed the program. Thanks again to Quinn McNeil. Thanks to Thomas Rongan. Thanks, Julian Zador. And thank you for watching and listening to us here on Crown Corner. For Matt and Jess, I'm Will. We'll talk to you on Saturday from Fort Lauderdale on Sports Radio FNZ and the Charlotte FC Radio Network.